Greetings, programs. Hello, and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie, Tron. I'm your host, Duncan, and with me today is my fabulous, dazzling, impressive, stupendous co-host, Tyler Nickel. Hello, Tyler. Oh, good. That's not that's not too much buildup. We'll be fine. We can only <laughs> we'll go down from here. Well, you're, you're an impressive person. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here and also greetings programs. Uh, so I guess uh, tell me a bit about yourself a little bit. What's your... Oh, what's yeah. Your... I guess we can do that. I was just going to jump yeah. right into Tron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that people don't know me. Um, hi, uh, I'm Tyler James Nickel. I host... I'm waving. This is very important for the audio listeners. <laughs> Uh, I'm Tyler James Nickel. I'm a uh, show host here in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I also uh, write for some video games, uh, including Transformers Forge to Fight and Marvel Contest of Champions. Um, more the Transformers than the Marvel, but we'll see where life leads. So yeah, so I work yes. in video games, and I'm a giant nerd, so that's why I'm here. Outstanding. Uh, let's see... Yeah, okay, well, let's just get into the... Let's well, get into who the, are you, Duncan? The, people my name, name. Uh, oh yeah, my name's Duncan Shields. I'm a computer animator for video games. Uh, also a writer of science fiction and poetry. And uh, yeah, also a huge nerd. Yay. And, both, yeah. We are both like physically and psychologically huge nerds. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're giant bearded nerds. Yeah, and, uh, It's very unusual sure. to have tall bearded nerds, but... Oh, it's so strange. Thankfully... I remember, I started work at one uh, computer game studio, and I was like, am I in the right place? I'm not sure. This address is clear, but I can't really see a building. And then I saw somebody walk by in, like, a Hawaiian shirt and cargo shorts, and they had a big beard, and they were a tall guy. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm in, I'm in the right place. Our people. I'm, I'm, I'm headed to the right place. Uh, they were like, yeah, the Hawaiian shirt's like vintage nerd. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's who, that's who I am. Cool. Well, we're we're on minute one here. We are we're starting black screen on this sucker. Minute one, black screen. Uh, the titles come up. Uh, the creation of Tron by Wendy Carlos. We get just a couple of uh, credits. Buena Vista Distribution and uh, Walt Disney Production presents and some trippy visuals. The image of uh, a program slash person and the Tron title spin towards the camera. We get a, a brief shot of Flynn's arcade and uh, how busy it is, and a uh, medium shot of people playing games. Close-up of a hand putting a quarter into an arcade cabinet, and then we go into the exterior of the light cycle game. Ooh, it's a very exciting minute. Very exciting minute, and I love how it's straight in. Like, I was in a trivia contest recently, and I won a videotape of the movie Robocop, <laughs> and so I was like, I haven't seen this in a while, and I still have a VCR. I'll watch it when I get home. And it was the same sort of deal. It was like it comes up on the city skyline of Detroit, and the word Robocop comes up on the screen, and then Peter Weller has his first line. And I'm just like, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa, yeah. where's, where's the opening credits? And it's kind of the same with uh, with this. I don't know if too many movies do it, but I know that was kind of a, a rarity yeah. at the time. And and I'm I'm on record as saying I'm a big fan of any time the titles of anything fly at the screen. I like oh, yeah. that. I want that. Oh, yeah. uh, my favorite is still Hitchhiker's Guide, just going right at you, like scrolling by the book and then just in front of you. In but, the uh, uh, in the TV series or the movie? Uh, both actually do that, so it's nice. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. 
with some uh, Eagles Journey of the Sorcerer, I think is the song. I'm sure someone will correct me. It's not like nerds like correcting incorrect facts or anything. No. But yeah, um, it's, a, it's a pretty straightforward opening. Um, I actually have, and I'm excited for this, uh, the, the first print edition of the Tron novel here. Ooh. Um, and I will say it differs slightly from the film. Yeah, I've got the uh, the screenplay here, and it differs slightly too. So let's hear how uh, how it differs in the in the novel. Ooh, do we want a dramatic reading of the opening page? <laughs> let's do this? it. Okay, chapter one. That other world is vast too. To its inhabitants, their system is limitless. The electronic world enmeshes the earth and reaches beyond it. Information is moved through the computer systems and processed by the artificial intelligences. The programs compute and search, retrieve and collate. They are already indispensable to science, industry, education, the government, to society in its present form. So, like, this guy who's writing it, he's given it everything he's got. He's really getting his back into it there. Yeah, no, it's um, it's a lot. Of, it almost uh, mirrors the Tron Legacy opening of, like... Let me explain this giant world that lives within this computer. The uh, the screenplay was like blackness, the electronic world. On one side of the screen, computer programming language is being printed, and we hear the sound of an electronic keyboard. In the center of the screen, glowing lines inscribe a rough computer simulation of a figure in response to the programming. Gradually, the figure is completed and refined, and we hear a resonant voice speaking. As astonishing advances in computer science are made, artificial intelligence programs are being designed to assist us in every area of life. We see that the completed form is manlike, heroic, and muscular, wearing a form of flexible armor. The face is calm, handsome, and intelligent. As the voice continues, the form becomes rounded by the computer until it appears three-dimensional and begins to rotate. In a worldwide network of electronics, they travel through miles of circuitry at the speed of light. We created them to calculate and research, to help us design and heal and think. With all they can do, are they only electrical impulses? Or are they a new form of life? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then uh, the disc goes around. There's an explosion of colored light, a crash of music, and then the word Tron comes up on the, uh, on the screen. And there's a montage of the computer world and the real world as we uh, try to make the point that it's a mirror of our own, which is mm-hmm. uh, probably a little too on the nose, I think. I I think that they, someone read that script like, or alternatively, Tron, start the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. They'll figure it out. They'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> let's bring them in by yeah. going through the real world first, and then we see, let's, let's just bring them in properly. I mean, I'm a big fan of show, not tell. So yeah. They, yeah, they get to that where it's like you it's I, I think on that too, reflecting both on the novel and the script, when you're trying to write this to tell to someone, you almost need to hold their hand on that and then intentionally remove it after. Because when you write all this down, it's just like like we said through, it's like, oh, there's trippy visuals. Like, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> what yeah. are we going to do with like? But like if you've ever seen Tron on the big screen, which I've been lucky enough to do, like those trippy visuals are amazing. They are <laughs> super amazing. awesome. Yeah, I remember seeing this in the because I saw this in, in the theater when it came out, and uh, blew my mind. It, it's a it's a brand new world, and I'm also gonna say I'm gonna jump immediately to the fact that we do see the outside of an arcade, and 
sometimes in the states you get arcades now, but man, Canada just does not have arcades anymore. We're, well, we're getting there. There's one that opened up in Vancouver here, and it's the big one's planned. But it, it's going to have, like, they're going to try to do karaoke, LAN parties, a vintage arcade, uh, and also, like, a batting cage and... I don't know, dance competitions. Like, it's going to be like, I'm like, you're going to fit this all in the same building. Mm. But so you kind of got to cater to a lot of different audiences with arcades these days. So you can't really have that one just cabinets arcade anymore and make any money, I assume. I found out that the laws in Vancouver are still really strict. Yeah, it's weird, like, because they still view it almost as gambling to have, like, arcade stuff in places. Yeah, they, they view it as gambling and they also view it as a... Uh, like an invitation to truancy for the youths. <laughs> oh, so I remember as a kid, yeah, sure. A lot of the, a lot of, a lot of kids that would cut school would cut school and go to the arcade and hang out, and that was like a problem. There'd be like these little video game truant kids in there, That's and then amazing drug dealers would hang around, and if you weren't careful, it could become a little den of depravity. And as a few of them did, and then they got a. A reputation and then the laws got changed but they're still on there and i'm like you don't have to worry anymore kids have entire arcades on their phones they're not going to yeah. sneak off to the arcade and, well maybe well, i don't know who knows one of the weird things with arcades now too is i can't imagine that the quarter for a game is is looked at as good value on either side <laughs> so you can have a free game on your phone word uh you can and then like a quarter if they're only playing for 10 minutes then walking away that's not paying for the electricity to keep that box on anymore so yeah well right now there's a per hour thing. Mm-hmm. There's a there's an arcade out in New West where they have a uh, an arcade and you pay per hour and all the games are free play and you get like a yeah. name a name tag that says I'm good until three o'clock or whatever. Yeah, I believe in the states there's something like that for the uh, Dave and Buster's or something like along those lines. Yeah, I want to go down to uh, Portland. They really got some great arcades down. Oh yeah, no, I've I've done some of the Portland arcades. They're quite fun. Never been to Portland. Well. With the power of technology, we'll get your voice around the world. Around the world. Okay, so uh, let's talk a little bit about Buena Vista. Ooh, okay, yes. Uh, I mean, you have research. I, I came in woefully unprepared. Let's hear your research. Well, we'll see what, we, uh, see what we're doing. Uh, Buena Vista is a brand name which was historically used for divisions and subsidiaries of the Walt Disney Company. So they, Walt Disney had a, uh, a deal to have their films distributed by RKO Pictures. Mm. until 1956 and then disney got big enough to say hey you know what we also have trucks (laughs) and uh so they decided to distribute their their own uh their own their own films and it's located on buena vista street in burbank california uh and it's also that's the studio lot is the home to the company's corporate headquarters and it's funny because Buena Vista means uh, literally good view in Spanish. Mm. But I, I want to know how different the world would be if they had kept their original name. Because Buena Vista, before Disney renamed it, or I don't think it is, I'm not sure if Disney renamed it, but I think they did. But it's, it used to be named Black Lake. Ooh, and I'm like, that's far more mysterious. What if, what if Walt Disney's production company was called Black Lake Production Companies? It sounds almost like a, a private military outfit or something like that. It, it sounds like the distribution company for Full Moon Productions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, and this was, uh, Tron came out in 1982 during, uh, there was a weird chapter of like Disney family horror. 
which mm. was like the black hole in 79 watcher in the woods in 1980 there was a movie called night crossing in 1982 it's a thriller and then something wicked this way comes in 1983 and then traumas in 1982 but they all did so horribly that disney wouldn't do another live action film for 10 years <laughs> yeah i heard that one where it's just like they're like maybe we just stick to the cartoons champ and yeah just... but it did lead the way to uh, touchstone pictures which is mm-hmm. a division of disney and their first uh adult-oriented film was Splash with Tom Hanks that came out in 1984. I remember that Touchstone logo. I love that Touchstone logo, the blue circle, and then the pulse would go along the letters and break open the uh, circle. Yeah, Disney has some good logos um, across their stuff here. I do like, too, that this is just, like, distributed by Buena Vista, a Walt Disney production, and it could have just been like, this is Disney! Yeah. This is ours now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe there was... Uh corporate tax reasons or something to keep them separate yeah. like that the, you, you almost don't think disney when you see tron though it was so outside of what we, they were kind of doing at the time what i always i always uh talk about 1982's tron i'm not like disney's tron mm-hmm. when uh when legacy came out they really pushed the disney angle part of it it was like well yeah they had the castle in the tron style of the which was legacy. so sweet that was so sweet the the, the tron style cast yeah. but you still and see- i'll go on record as someone who deeply enjoys tron legacy <laughs> nailing the music and nailing the visuals is mm-hmm. huge and they came so correct with both of those things and getting uh and getting a bunch of the original cast back like well we can i mean we could talk a lot about tron legacy because i got i got a lot to say about that but let's keep let's keep going through <laughs> well, let's keep it focused we've got focused. more we say. got more uh we got more minutes to go and uh let's see what do we got here so the opening titles were created by robert abel and associates mm. i remember when it came up in the theater i thought it was another production logo Right, because I thought it was like, oh yeah, yeah, it just kind of looks like also made by Tron. Yeah, it's also just made like... by Tron. Oh, that was really complicated. I'm like, oh, oh no, this is the movie. We're in the movie now, <laughs> and uh, Tron's also a debugging command in the basic programming language, meaning trace yes. on. But but I believe the uh, the writers said that it was just like no, it's like part of the word electron. Yeah, Stephen, the director's just... like, uh, okay, sure, sounds great. I, that's not where <laughs> I got it, but. Oh, this is another thing. Certain versions of the European and American re-releases have explanatory title cards establishing the viewer into the world of the programs and the users. Like, I get that. Right? I, I could understand. It, it, again, like in both of our, in the script and in the novel, both of them are like, all right, here is what's happening. Yeah. Your electronics have tiny people in them. Let's move from there. Yeah. Which I can, yeah, I can definitely dig. Well, let's talk about the Flynn's... Arcade. Flynn's Arcade? Yeah. Oh, so I do like the uh, the Flynn logo is is pretty iconic to this film, almost more than like the Tron letters themselves with like the weird offset R and everything that they use for Tron. Like if you see Flynn on something, that's as recognizable as any other item from this movie, which I think is kind of awesome because how often do you remember the last name of main characters from a Disney movie? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or yeah, in this one, uh, as I was writing up the minutes, I had trouble remembering that it was Kevin Flynn, mm. right? I just was like, Flynn did this and Flynn did that. And I was like, oh, what's his, <laughs> what's his first name again? Yeah, you gotta forget one of the names. But yeah, you'd put them on the same footing. You'd say they're like about uh, equal and neck and neck in terms of recognizing. I would 100%. If someone's like, that movie, uh, Flynn? And I'd be like, oh yeah, I know. What <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. That sign is uh, it's one of the few surviving props. Ooh. It's still uh, It's still at Disney Studios. In the, prop- would, in the properties building or whatever. Yeah. 
I would selfie the hell out of that. So oh, word. I'm, I'm under. I guess they probably brought it out for uh, for Tron Legacy and all the publicity. Oh, they must have. That. Yeah. Well, um, again, on that, I have in my hand here. I'll just like I'm waving it in front of a microphone so you can observe <laughs> uh, the essence of it. But I do have a Flynn's Arcade token that I'm I'm showing to Duncan right now, and it's shiny and wonderful. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, like the again, like it's it's as a, like on the back in super tiny letters. It's like, oh yeah, Tron, but like they put Flynn's Arcade on it. And if anyone's known for wanting to make sure their trademarks are on an item, it's Disney. But they were still totally fine with like Flynn's Arcade. You get it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So the building itself, that's uh, the it's nine five four three Culver Boulevard in Culver City, Los Angeles. And Add that to your Tron walking tour. Yeah, it's known as the Hull Building. <laughs> Built in 1925 mm. by Dr. Hall, it became Culver City's first hospital and later became a Culver City historic site. And as of 2018, the building now houses the Acacia Restaurant. I would eat there. I, would I don't know what they food. serve, but it's very pretty. Yeah, I like it quite a, quite a bit. It's, it's, like, it's a classic style building. I'm glad it hasn't been just torn down. The, the LA is actually pretty good for keeping it. I think almost because they're like, someone might want to film it. Like, Yeah, sure, right? Yeah, yeah, they're they're actually pretty good at keeping at least the facades of things up. Keep those locations going. Yeah, which uh, I think Vancouver is getting better at. Vancouver, for those not in Vancouver, which hopefully some of our listeners aren't immediate friends of ours, <laughs> um, um, Vancouver is doing a little better job at keeping some facades up of buildings, where it's like we at least need some ground level shooting locations on these. But in the, in the words of Paul F. Tompkins, who once visited, uh, bless your city, may you never finish building whatever it is you think you're making. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. That's super good. That's exactly it. Yeah, it's just a, a city that's always being built. Here's, uh, here's a question for you. Do you think Flynn's is located in the good part of town? I can't imagine it is. Um, like, like in the in the world of this story, this is a guy who's been broken... And he's definitely not being able to let go of anything. He's filled his whole life with the stuff that was taken from him so he can get a little bit back of it. And, like, I can't think that that's also profitable. Yeah. Yeah, like he says, I remember when he's talking to them later on, he's like, all I have is whatever money I can squeeze out of this place. Sort of insinuating mm-hmm. that that's not much. Oh, and he definitely lives there. Yeah, that's his, yeah, he's got his pad, his sweet, sweet bachelor pad up top. Which, as a kid, I want to live oh, in an arcade. Man, that's like, yeah, that's like the dream, the dream apartment right there. Open up the window mm-hmm. and look down. Now, let's, uh, so we go into, yeah, so we've done that. We go into Flynn's. The theme kicks in. I want to talk a little bit about Wendy Carlos. Wendy was born Walter Carlos on Valentine's Day in 1939. Having a birthday on Valentine's Day seems pretty cool. She studied <laughs> physics and music before getting music composition at Columbia University. She oversaw the development of a little synthesizer called the Moog synthesizer, developed Ooh. by Robert Moog. Uh, she did a movie, uh, did a, an album in 1968 called Switched On Bach, which is synthesizer Bach music. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. But it won three Grammy Awards. It was a, a really big deal. And then that got her the eye of Stanley Kubrick. And so she worked on a little film called A Clockwork Orange, no big deal. Uh, oh, and then wow. The Shining okay. in 1980, no big deal. And uh, then The Tron in 1982, also no big deal. So Wendy Carlos's score for Tron was recorded using the same synthesizer for Switched on Bach and Clockwork Orange and The Shining. Wow. She also used the London Philharmonic, or 
orchestra. So the Tron soundtrack at the time represented a hybrid of three generations of music. So they had an analog synthesizer and a digital synthesizer and a live orchestra all working together, which is pretty wild. That's insane. That's pretty wild. Yeah. I, I, I think I read somewhere that like it took forever for the soundtrack to actually come out, too. Oh, yeah. I don't think it was released along with the That's film. right. The movie bombed. And so they didn't want to bring mm-hmm. out the soundtrack. And then when there was a bit of a resurgence, they said, okay, we should. But then the master tapes had like rot, they yeah. rotted because back then a lot of the, a lot of the storage media just, uh, yeah, it was just a cardboard box and, and a closet yeah, somewhere. And, and the, the film, like I remember that's why we've lost so many old black and white films is because the, the film mm-hmm. stock itself is like fruit, you know, it just rots as like unless you keep it <laughs> like frozen or something so but they uh yeah they cooked it they cooked they, wow. they, they cooked it to a point where they could they, they literally heated it up in an oven until they could extract the data from the tapes to create another master which is so so analog it's so primitive and that's just wild that that's what they had to do that's one step above we hit it until music yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, okay, so then we get into the arcade. Ed, did you recognize any of the games? Ah, it's so fast on that one. Did you did you, did, did you cherry pick some I favorites on that a one? Few. The ones that I can actually see were Asteroids, Millipede, mm-hmm. down, down the side of one machine it says Space, and then uh, it's cut off by another machine. So I assume that's uh, Space Invaders. There's some pinball, pinball well, machines that are switched off. There was also, because he has his own space game, Flynn, he wrote one. Uh, space Paranoids. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right, Space Paranoids. That's probably what that game is. So that, that's probably Space Paranoids. Uh, I will, I was actually distracted um, by the beauty of, like, the Tron cabinets, which were released. Like, they made those yeah, cabinets. And, yeah, that, that see-through uh, yoke, like the see-through joystick on that in the cabinets, those were, when you walk into an arcade, if they still have a Tron cabinet, it definitely draws you into it. They are super pretty, and the games are okay, but, like, the cabinet is a real work on Yeah, the games, are, the games are playable and fun, which is, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a minor miracle for a property-based video game. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, those cabinet, that they just, yeah, they nailed it. It's so unique. And what I, what I heard it's- was that the, the video games outgrossed the film. <laughs> I can imagine that, like, because there was like the Atari twenty six hundred versions and stuff like that too, and the all the other like in television ones that came out. So those were definitely like I remember sliding in the little plastic sheet over my controller so I could play me some uh, some disc games. Yeah, on that. and I was thinking that the uh, the light cycle game is just kind of like multiplayer Snake, you know, mm-hmm. which is kind of brilliant, and I'm amazed it hasn't like been a more popular combat thing of having that yeah because it's so uh, it is edge of your seat like i think they really managed to capture the thrill of the actual those scenes in the movie are so like look out look out and uh, when you're actually playing it you know it's just you're running at a screen and it's getting tighter and tighter it's a tense game to play which is good Mm -hmm. i did play they used to um i can't i wish i could remember the name of it because i tried to look it up again but there was some knockoff where someone just made a very simple version of light cycle because in the modern age it wasn't hard to render it uh, and you could choose to be inside of it, like in the cockpit as you piloted, and that became one of the hardest video games I've oh, ever okay. played. Because doing it from over, like, oh yeah, I get it, but like being inside of it and remembering where your own walls are, let alone anybody else coming yeah. at you, is it's it's a mammothly difficult. Yeah, game. like forget it, right? You need to have like three sixty degree vision or something. I don't know how that would be even possible. When they brought out Tron and they and they opened up Flint arcade when they brought out brought out legacy and they opened up flint's arcade Mm -hmm. they recreated it and the games they had in there were centipede crystal castles galaga millipede missile command pole position asteroids 
an Atari 2600, which is weird to have in an arcade, and Yar's Revenge, but and Tempest. Oof, Tempest, that was hard. Mm-hmm. They also had three games called Space Duel, Stun Cycle, and Warlord, which I don't know what those are. Yeah, I'm not sure. This page might have faulty information on it. When we get to the next minute, remind me uh, to talk about my thoughts on how, how horrifying it would be to live inside one of the old school arcades, because I do have thoughts, but I yes. want to save it yes. for when we're watching well, the we're light coming up to uh, We're coming up to close to the edge here. So the games that Flynn created were Arc Wars, Astral Gunner, Code Wars, Intruder, Crasbot, Light Cycles, Matrix, Matrix Blaster, and Space Paranoids. And I wonder if... Oh, here's, oh, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, Duncan. The novel has different oh. ones. Oh, my gosh. Uh, like yes, yes, please. Yes. The, the novel, according to the novel, uh, the games made by Flynn were Space Paranoids, Vice Squad, Light Cycles, Circuit Masters, and Warp Factor. Circuit Masters and Warp Factor. Mm-hmm. I even have the dates those files were created on in this novel. It's very thorough. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's <laughs> and, uh, uh, two other games. Flynn's middle initial is apparently O. I wonder. Kevin O. Flynn. Oscar. I wonder if that stands for Oscar. I mean, the, the movie didn't, but the O could. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> word. That's funny. I believe they, because like, and I mean, this is an overview. I don't want to give everything. I don't want to give away the whole shop on the first yeah, minute. Yeah. But I will say the fact that the visual effects were denied Oscar eligibility because it was cheating yeah. is mind-boggling. It's, it's, it's tragic and comedic in equal measure. Mm-hmm. I think that takes us about to the end of this minute, though. What do you think? I think that sounds great to me. Um, it's been a very thorough minute, yeah. and I look forward to further yeah. minutes in the future. All right. Well, tell us, Tyler, where can people find out more about you if they want to hear more of your musings in general and whatnot? Uh, you can always see myself doing silly randomness all around Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, but more specifically, you can go to at DorkZombie, that's D-O-R-K, Zombie, on Instagram. Uh, that's what I use the most. I don't use Twitter because um, I'm not filled with hate and I don't need to put yeah. it in the world. Oh, word. So, but if you want to see a bunch of photos of myself from my good angles, go to Instagram, DorkZombie, and that's where you can follow all of my goings right. ons. How about uh, you, Duncan? You can, let's see, if you want to get in touch, check out more at tronologicallyspeaking.com. Drop us a line at Twitter on uh, Tronologically Speaking. Send us an email at tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking, the Tron Minute by Minute listeners page. Just click so many options. Basically, just Tronologically Speaking. Just go anywhere. That's the the thing. Nice (laughs) and short and easy to spell and concise. Hopefully that doesn't Mm -hmm. work against it. Uh, the intro and outro music were created by Roman Foster over at Pond5. Uh, check out more at Pond5.com. And special thanks to the Star Wars Minute, the start of it all. Go on over to MoviesByMinute.com and see if your favorite movie is there. If it isn't, consider doing one yourself. It's a very inclusive and encouraging community. It is. Well, uh, I'd love to have you back. I think, you know what, let's do a couple more minutes. Okay, I cool. like it. All right. So, I guess on three, do you want to say end of line? I like one, it. Let's two, do it. One, two, three. End End of of line. line. See you next time. See you next time.